weeks back when I started this series, I said a statement that I said, 2019 could be your greatest year yet spiritually. Now, when I said that, some of you guys were like, yeah, that's right. And some people were, uh, you know, nervous. I mean, just, we, we hear that, those statements like that. We think in terms of possible, not possible. And there's, there's three kinds of people in this room that hear that statement. The first kind of person hears a statement like that, and you are, you're skeptical, you know, or, or maybe indifferent. You're kind of the same, same boat there, but you're skeptical, you're indifferent, and you hear that, you think, yeah, I've tried it before, you know, I, I've done that before, I've tried to make some changes in my life, and it just hasn't worked out very well. Every year, I'm back to the same spot that I was the previous year, and so it sounds good, but I don't think so, not for me, okay? That's, that's one group. Now, group two, you are like a firework, right? Like you hear that, you're like, that's right. And you're all excited, you know, and you're like, that's right. I'm going to change everything about my life. You know, I mean, I'm going I'm to lose 100 pounds. I'm going to never eat another sweet in my life. I'm going to read the Bible six hours a day. I'm going to pray 20 hours a day. And do the math, okay? I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm never going to, I mean, I'm just, my whole life's going to change. And you do pretty good for about a week or two. And then by February 1st, you're like, you're eating your bag of Doritos, you know, and you're sitting back watching your TV. And you're like, yeah, forget it. It doesn't work anyway. And so, so whatever. That's, that's group two. Now, group three, you hear that. You think, okay, challenge accepted. And group three, you are actually going to see a change in your life. Now, now here's the deal, that, that there's one thing that separates all three of those groups. The first two, you're, you, you hear that. What separates you from the last group? Well, you you're hear that, you'll say, that, that sounds good, that, that sounds like a great idea, but I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone next week. And, and so how am I going to make a change? How, is, how are things going to be different? It just doesn't seem very practical. That's, that's one and two. And, and, and group three, you are going to wisely say, yes. Things have not gone the way I thought they would, but you are going to discover that if God will change you this year, if you will see that happen where this is your greatest year spiritually, wisely, you'll respond, you'll say, this is the year that I changed some habits in my life to lead me where God wants me to go. See, again, so much of life comes down to habits, and we're going to talk about this this morning. This today, I think, is going to be incredibly practical for a lot of us. Now, I told first of us today that there's a giant finger pointing at you, all of you. Uh, the problem is I have three pointing back at me, too, today. So keep that in mind. This is a big deal for all of us. Okay, myself included. Habits are important. And, and really, this comes down to... A word, this comes down to discipline this morning. And I want to kind of start off with a, a big idea today. It's the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. A lot of us want a great life. A lot of us want God to do big things. We say, yes, God, big dear, big, big dear. Yes, it's the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. Again, this comes down to discipline. 
Uh, it reminds me of a story that um, I, I'm going to make a little, uh, a little caveat today. I messed this up in first service, so we'll try this again this way. But uh, a, a little story that I, I heard a while back about a, a, a young police officer um, who was really, really passionate about his job. He, he, he was a brand new cop, and so he was giving out tickets left and right. And so if you went five miles over in his town, bam, tickets. If you jaywalked, bam, tickets. And so one day, this young man was in a tux, and he was running across the street, and he was jaywalking. And so this cop was like chasing after him. He was like, stop, stop. You jaywalked. Here's a ticket. And this young man tried to explain to him what was going on, and the police officer didn't hear it. He said, no, you jaywalked. Here's your ticket. And so he's writing it out to him, and the young man, again, is trying to explain what's going on. And, and, and the, the truth is, this cop saw this as being kind of contempt. And so he said, you know what? You just won't be quiet. So not only are you getting a ticket, but I'm going to haul you in. And so he, he takes the guy and he handcuffs him and he brings him to the jail and slams the door on the jail, put jail, and he says, that's it. And he goes, you know what? It's a good thing for you that this happened today. He goes, because I'm gracious, but my boss is not so gracious. He said, but today is different because today his daughter's getting married. And he said, when he gets here today, he's going to be in a good mood. And the young man said, I don't think so, Barney. He said, I'm the groom. And, and so I'm not talking about, yes, I did it. I'm not talking about... <laughs> I'm not talking about that kind of discipline this morning. I'm talking about habits. It's an important thing to consider. It's, it's habits. Now, if I were to ask you, if you were to sit down and say, are you a disciplined person? I would guess that a lot of us would say, no way. I'm not, as you're eating your Doritos and you're kicking back with your Mountain Dew, I'm not disciplined. And you might say that today, but I'm going to tell you that that's wrong. You actually are very disciplined. Each and every one of you, yes, your spouse is included in this. Your spouse is a discipline. Your kids are disciplined. You yourself, you are disciplined. The problem is, is that the disciplines that you have in your life may not be taking you in the direction that God has called you to go, but you are disciplined. Make no mistake. Years back, I was discipling a young man who had asked me to do this. And so um, I told him, I said, we're going to meet at 7 in the morning on Wednesday for coffee. And he about fell over. He's like, I don't give a 7 in the morning. I said, well, you do now, buddy. And so we'll see you there at 7 in the morning. So he kind of rolls in and he looks like he is death warmed over. He's just like, oh, you know, I'm so tired. And, and so we're talking about discipline. I said, I said, I said Tony, are you a disciplined person? He said, no. He said, that's why I'm talking to you. He goes, I'm not disciplined at all. I said, well, why do you say that? He goes, because I'm lazy. He says, I try to do the right thing, but I'm just lazy. I, I need help in this. I said, okay. I said, well, what'd you do last week? And so, uh, or this last week, he said, well, I, I know what I did exactly. He said, I, I woke up Monday morning and, and I was pre-tired because it was a long weekend. And so I went to work. And I got home from work, and this is a single guy, by the way. Uh, not that this matters, but he just was. And so he got home, and, and he said he, I got on my, my, on my, my TV and just played video games until and, and uh, late. And he goes, I got hungry, and so I ordered a pizza. And then it came, and I played more video games, and I played until 
late. And I said, well, how late? He said, I'm not going to tell you how late it was. But it's, so it was probably late. And so he said, I went to bed and I got up a couple hours later and then I was so tired and I was so frustrated. And he goes, I slept through my alarm, but I made it to work on time and I was tired all day long. I was just frustrated with myself. And, and he said, and then I went, got home and I, the only thing that makes me feel better is playing my video games. So I played again. And he said, but that time, last night, I didn't eat at all. And he said, so I went to bed late last night and I, I woke up today, he goes, I almost didn't make it today because I, I, I was just, it's so early, it's so hard to get up. And I'm a chipper person in the morning, okay? So trust me, I, I'm, I, I just kind of am, you know? And so he didn't probably want to talk to me at that point in that, in that day. But, but I, said, I said, Tony, you are disciplined. And he said, no, I'm not. He said, you heard what, I, what I, my day was like. I said, no, you are. Your discipline is to get up late. Your discipline is to hit the snooze of arm. Your discipline is to kind of barely make it through your day. Your discipline is to play way too much video games, to eat terribly. That's your discipline. I said, you are disciplined. The problem, Tony, is your disciplines are not taking you where you want to go. And then he said, you're right, actually. He goes, I know discipline. I can't pass up an extra plate of food. He goes, you're right. I'm, I'm pretty disciplined, which was also probably very true as, as well. But, but this comes down to habits. Habits are hard, aren't they? Let's be honest this morning. Habits are hard. Well, good habits are hard. Bad habits aren't so, aren't so difficult. Good habits are hard. And, and you might say, well, yeah, I, I, I like some good habits, but I'm just inconsistent. Anyone else with me on this? You, you, you try, you, you, you work at this, and you're just inconsistent sometimes. You know, you're like, I, I know I need to do my devotions, but I'm busy. You know, I know I should eat clean, but man, Doritos and, 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 and French fries, and for me it's ice cream, you know? I, I know that I'm supposed to rest, but trust me, I've got excuses. You know, there's all kinds of reasons for us to be inconsistent. And I think this morning that we're in good company. Because the Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, mind you, said words like this. I think he, he, he just nails it on the head. And so if you would, open your Bibles today to Romans chapter 7. And we're going to read through a passage where I think, again, the Apostle Paul shows us that he gets this entirely. Romans 7, we're going to start at verse 14 today. And he says this, he says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. I'm sold under sin. Now, I'll, I'll be honest with you this morning that this is a big, big deal. That part of our struggle with, with good habits and, and, and discipline starts out with this passage. It's why Paul does here. He says, I, I know the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal. I'm sold under sin. Now, the word carnal is a church word that we don't oftentimes use outside of church. And it means the needs of the flesh. Elsewhere in, in, Romans, in Romans, Paul talks about how the flesh leads to death. That the desire of the flesh, the direction of the flesh is sin, and sin leads to death. I'll just be honest with you on this this morning. That this is the problem in so many cases. That our problem comes back to this. That we are carnally minded. Week one, we talked about how this is like, it's gunk. It just kind of gets gunked up in our lives, right? That we can have all the good intentions, but we get gunk. The gunk is this carnal-minded focus. And church, you need to be honest about it this morning. You have a fight on your hands. I have a fight on my hands. And the fight starts here. That we are carnally-minded, and the enemy's desire and plan is not that you would succeed. Do you really think 
The enemy wants your family to work. Do you really think the enemy wants you to be able to talk with your spouse and build your relationship and your love and your marriage? You think he wants that? Well, of course not, right? You think he wants you to to have a great family and, and to raise your kids up in a great home where they see a great example from mom and dad? Of course he doesn't. So the enemy then has a way of getting his little hands and fingers into our lives and transitioning and changing and ruining our great intentions at good things, at good habits. And the good habits turn to bad. This is what a carly-minded person has. It says at the end of this passage, it says, sold to sin. A life that is sold to sin, a life that is sold to destruction. That the sin nature, as the Bible puts it, is in each of us and continues to hold us back. You have a fight on your hands. But, verse 15, this is where he gets into it. He says, I don't really understand myself, for I do what's right, but I, for I know what is, I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Anyone else would be on that one? With Paul on that one? I mean, come on. You know, I know I'm supposed to eat that apple, but man, those double cheese hot Doritos are literally calling my name. Right? They're like saying, Steve, Steve. Apples don't call my name, but but Doritos do, right? You know, I I do what I, I know I'm supposed to do, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And see, sometimes we kind of over, we kind of over or under spiritualize what's what is said right here. Think about all the reasons and all the things in our lives, the good things we want to do, and how oftentimes what I want to do, I don't. Instead, I do what I hate. Uh, verse eighteen: I want to do what's right, but I can't. We'll skip to verse nineteen: I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Oh, Paul, I get you, buddy. Verse 20, but if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin living inside of me that does it. Now, I'll pause there. Some of you guys are like, woohoo, yes, I'm off the hook. You see, it's not my fault. You know, I didn't do this. It's the sin in me, right? Like, oh, I, I try to eat, ho- eat apples, but I eat ho-hos. It's not my fault. It's Satan's fault. You know, I try to talk to my wife, but, you know, I watch TV. It's not my fault. It's Satan's fault. You know, this is the deal today. We have to understand where this nature comes from. And again, the enemy is on the prowl, seeking whom he may devour. The problem is, is that the enemy is not the one that is affected. It's you. Again, sin destroys. You have to understand this morning, though, that your nature, your carnal nature as a human being, and it does not matter how holy or how unholy you think you are, you and I share the same nature. That nature is what is the, pro- the problem here. And it takes us to destruction. And, 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 and Paul leads us to something here when he talks about this in verse 24. He says, oh, what a miserable, miserable person that I am. Who will free me from this life dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is not a principle, okay? It's not a 10-step program and how to do the right thing. No, the answer is a person. It's not a principle, it's a person. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who can deliver me? One. Who can help me? There's just one. And that one is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Come on this morning, church. Can I get an amen on that one today? And church, thinking like that is a game changer. 
Now you're like, well, duh, Jesus is, I came to church today, of course you're to say Jesus is, is my hope. But, but I want to change the goal for some of you this morning. Because some of you have sensed and felt, especially this time of year, we oftentimes do want to make changes. You felt, my problem is I'm not self-disciplined enough. My problem is that I just wish I was more disciplined. You look at people and you say, they, they got it, I, I don't. I, I wish I had their life and not mine. We, your problem is not self-discipline, okay? I'll just be honest with you today. Your problem is to become spirit-led. See, it's not self-discipline, it's spirit-led. If self-discipline was the answer, if you study the life of Paul, he had it in spades, right? I mean, Paul had self-discipline. This dude knew how to beat his body into submission, as he says. But yet that same person says these words. No, it's not self-discipline. The next time you feel the enemy saying, you are not disciplined, you are the worst, you'll never get it. Your problem's not self-discipline. Your problem is to be spirit-led. Because spirit-led people know how to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and turn and make changes under his authority. See, that's what Paul talks about later in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Turn there with me to this morning. We're going to flip over to that part. And, and Paul is writing to the people of Corinth. Uh, now, the people of Corinth, you have to know a little detail of history here. The people of Corinth had this thing called the Isthmian Games. Now, I practiced that a lot. I think I got it. It's the Isthmian Games. And what this was was essentially the Olympic Games in this part of the world. And they played for civic and national pride. You wanted to win this. If you won this, your nation cheered your, your, your name. And so this was a pretty big deal. And so this is the context in which Paul writes this word. And most people in this time understood this very, very clearly. And so check out 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Now, I want to pause there because that run to win is a very interesting phrase. That's not just a, a phrase to describe what you're supposed to do. What this phrase was, it's in Greek, it is, the, it is treko hina ketlamano. When this, this phrase was repeated over and over and was essentially drilled into those that were training for these games, and they would have to run with that phrase in their mouths. And if you didn't, they would stop you and say, say it, say it. It's uh, treco, hina, catalamano, treco, hina, catalamano. I am running to win the race. You see, the, 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 the training was not just physical, it was also emotional. It was, it was in their minds. So they would run with this idea that you have to run to win. If you're going to train with us, you have to do this. And, and so we continue. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Again, what would happen here is these athletes would enter into 10, 10 months of strict training. 
no, no alcohol. Uh, there was no, no meat. There was no good, tasty food. It was, there was nothing. All they ate was like small, tiny pieces of meat and a whole lot of vegetables and a whole lot of bread. And so they would eat this for, six, for 10 months and they would train hard. They would find themselves in these hot boxes and, and among cold temperatures. They would train in this extreme temperatures to beat their bodies into submission. They did this for 10 months. And they did it for a wreath made of leaves that would last, you know, about three or four days, as you, you may know. That's why I don't buy my white flowers. They don't last very long. I tell you, but no, anyway. Uh, so so they, they would do this for, a, for a, 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 a wreath that was fading. And Paul says, you know how this works. He says, you run for a different purpose. See, I, I think the problem is that so many of us, we don't know why we're running. You get up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you, get your, you, get, you eat some breakfast, you kiss your kids goodbye or whatever, and you know, kids, you, you kiss your spouse goodbye or you kiss yourself in the mirror, I don't know, whatever, and you get in your, you get in your truck and, and you, or your car and you, you drive to, uh, to work and, and you get there and you put your time in and, and you eat your lunch and then you finish the day off, you watch the clock and you're like, oh, come on, and you get to the end of the day and then you drive home through traffic probably, you're frustrated, you get home, you make dinner, you eat dinner, you watch some TV, uh, you watch some Matlock on TV, <laughs> you go to bed, you rinse and repeat every single day, this is how we live our lives. And then you print, you just kind of sprinkle in a few things here and there, uh, maybe a track meet for your kids or some entertainment, you, you put a few things here and there in, in that life, but, but that's, that's life. See, our problem so often is we don't know what we're running for. We're, man, God, I, I got to be more, more, more disciplined, but, but why? Why would it be so much easier? To, why should I be disciplined? Why is it when it's so much easier for me just to eat a ho-ho rather than an apple? I mean, why? Well, see, Paul begins to answer this question. Look at what he says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. He says, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God's. See, what if you did things differently? What if rather than just brushing your teeth, you brushed your teeth for the glory of God? What if you rather than just ate breakfast, you ate breakfast for the glory of God? What if rather than kissing your wife just to kiss your wife, you kissed your wife for the glory of God? You see what I'm saying this morning here? See, Paul says whatever you do, whether you eat or you drink, or whatever it is, do this for God's glory. Church, hear me this morning. You can do a lot of things, and many of us do. If you will make what you're running for to be God, for God's glory, the Bible promises that there is blessing in that spot. Church, this morning, you don't run for no purpose. Paul here tells us you have a purpose, and your purpose is to live your life for the glory of God. So I run this morning, he says, I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. There is purpose in every step. It's God's glory. Now you might say, man, that sounds like a lot more work. I, 
I just want to brush my teeth, man. I mean, I just want to go to work. Why do I have to live like this? You see, he says right here, he's ta- he says, it's time to stop shadow boxing. Now, what is shadow boxing? Shadow boxing is a real thing. It's when you are fighting, at, at, when you're training for a fight, you're sparring someone else, and but all you're doing is you're, 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 you're fighting the air. You're not fighting anyone. You're, you're fighting nothing. You're, you're, you're swinging and you're trying and you're working and you are fighting nothing. See, Paul here gives us some incredible uh, wisdom here. He says, stop sparring with an imaginary opponent. You already have one. And that opponent that you have is the enemy who wants you to lose. And he talks here and he says, here is how it changes. Here is how it works. Live with purpose in every step. And that purpose is to live your life for God's glory. How would it happen? What would happen if, if, if my entire life, if my decisions I made, if the things that I said, if the things that I did, if that was there to bring God's, God glory and not glory to myself, I think things might be different in my life. Anyone with me on that? What if I went to the drive-thru at Caribou for God's glory? What if I raised my kids, but I did this for God's glory? What if I worked, but I worked as under the Lord and I served my boss or I served what a place I worked and made it better because I'm doing it for God's glory? What if I served my wife, but I did it as under God and for God's glory? You see, it could change how we think. That's how God's called us to be. Some of us have struggled with this in our lives because we are shadow boxing. We don't know what we're fighting for. When Paul here says this, is it. You see, you need some better habits. One of the secrets of good habits is thinking about habits in, in the right way. There's a book written uh, several years back called, called Having Good Habits. It's a great book. If you want to more information, I can get you information on this. But one of the ideas in this book, it talks about keystone habits. But you have keystone habits in your life. Now, what does this mean? Well, this simply means that you can imagine a, an archway uh, of, of bricks and rock, and then the top of that archway, there is a keystone, and that keystone keeps the whole thing together. If you pull the keystone out, it doesn't matter how great the rest of the arch is. The whole thing is coming down, and it's based on one rock, one stone. Church, I'll tell you today, there are habits in your life that are keystone habits that are taking you away from the life God has called you to live. There are things in your life that are pulling away from that. And church, good keystone habits are tools in the hands of a committed fighter against a carnal, dead life. Keystone habits put an end the shadow boxing. Now, now I want to explain this today for you. Like, what is a keystone? Well, this is one thing that I do. I, I have a keystone habit of brushing my teeth. Now, I hate brushing my teeth. I, I really do. I, I don't enjoy it. Um, I've been doing it for a lot of years. And never once have I said, oh, I love this. Oh, this is so great. No, I think, I usually think, I don't like this. But you know what I do like? I like the results from it, and so do you, right? And so does my wife, and so does the church staff. You see, if I brush my teeth in the morning, that's the beginning of a good day. 
I've probably gotten up in time. I'm probably not rushing out the door. It says I've had time to brush my teeth. And so when I do this, I'll, I'll probably also be up in time to have my devotional time. I'll probably have a good breakfast. And when I have a good breakfast, I think better, I act better, and I live better. Now you're like, well, you have all the time in the world. Uh, you know, you know I'll, I'll be honest with you. I do this pretty early, and I'll get to this later, what's going on, but, but you've got to sometimes be committed, and so you, sometimes it's getting up early in the morning, and so I get up early, and I do these things, and, and, and so when I brush my teeth, I have a better day, I have a better outlook on life, and so I go to, go to the office, and, and things are, are better. I, when I have a better outlook, I make better decisions, and make better decisions, things go easier for me, and so, you know, you know when, I, when I make better decisions, things go easier, I'm happier. I get home at night, and my wife likes me more. My kids like me more. I'm happier at night. We have a better time because if mama ain't happy, ain't no one happy. Uh, if daddy ain't happy also, that's the case as well. And so there are times in our lives when that happens. All because I brush my teeth. You're like, really? Well, let's think about this on the opposite side. Let's say I don't brush my teeth one day. Okay, so that's probably the result of me waking up late I probably have going to rush out of the house. I'm not eating breakfast on that day. I probably missed my devotional time. Um, I'm probably be cranky, let's be honest with you. And so uh, I'm going to be cranky and I'm going to rush to work and I'm going to get here and I'll be cranky. And so our church staff will not like that, not to, not to mention my breath. And so my breath will be offensive. And so I'm going to breathe on someone. They're going to say, your breath stinks. Well, I'm cranky, so we're going to fight. So on that day, Pastor Tyler says, Pastor, see your breath stinks. Guess what, buddy? It's on, okay? So we fight that day. We had a little fight and a fist fight. Now I'm, I'm strong, of course, but he's wiry and fast, so he beats me up. And so I'm not feeling so good that day. And so I think, man, I'm going to get down to some place that loves me. McDonald's, the, open, the golden arches are always there to welcome me in. And so I need a Big Mac, so I'm going to rush to McDonald's to feel better about myself. Well, on the way to McDonald's, I'm speeding. I get pulled over by a policeman. The policeman stops me and says, you're speeding. And I said, I know. I just found my youth pastor, and my life is over, and I just need a Big Mac. And he says, well, too bad. You are speeding. He says, well, here's your ticket. Well, I'm, again, I'm, I'm frustrated and I am angry and I am bitter. And so I take that ticket and I say, here's what you can do with this ticket. And I, and I throw it back in his face. He gets it in my face, but I breathe on him and I don't have good breath. And so he falls over and, and, the, and his partner comes. His partner comes, his partner says, says, hey buddy, you just assaulted my, my, my partner, I'm taking you in. And so he arrests me and pulls me into jail and I get to the, the trial and the judge says, uh, you did this wrong, you're going to jail for six months. Well, who have ever heard of a pastor in jail for six months? So I lose my job as a pastor of this church and my, because of that, I, don't, I can't pay my bills, my family loses our house, we lose our cars, we lose everything, and my wife has to move in with one of you all because I didn't brush my teeth, right? And you're like, that's ridiculous. Well, maybe a little bit. But now you understand this morning how keystone habits work. See, again, you might be here and say, well, man, I, I don't have time to do my devotions. Well, I would, ask, I would add to you maybe the reason why is you have some keystone habits that are wrong. Because I think that all of us do whatever we want to do 100% of the time. You might say, well, I don't have time to invest in my family. 
You may not right now, but there might be some keystone habits in your life that need to change. You might be here today, you might say, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. You have a lot of reasons and excuses and things like that. And, and again, the problem so often comes back to the fact that we might have some keystone habits in our lives that are frankly just, just wrong. I know life's hard. I, I, I know I, people here, I, I know that your life is full and there's things, there's stuff going on. But, but, but the truth is not different for you than this for anybody else. God's called you to a good life. But if your keystone habits are leading you to a place that's not godly, not wrong, your keystone habits are a problem. And you need to look at those things in your life. So as I close this morning, I want to give you two questions. As Joe comes forward today, I want to ask you this questions today. The first one is, what do you need most? What do you need most? If you would bow your head, even close your eyes this morning. What do you need most? What do you need to happen in your life? Is it possibly that you need some more time with Jesus? Is it possibly that today that you need to talk with your kids more? You need to get an exercise. You have recognized that your body is, is a problem, that you have no energy, you have no time, and you've begun to see that. I mean, what is it that in your life that you need most in your life? I want you to think about this, but then I want you to think about the keystone habit that leads you in that place in your life. See, I want to encourage you to let God speak to you about this. This is, this is the dream stage. What do you need God to do in your life? You need time? You need his voice? You need to hear from Jesus this morning? You need provision? Do you need wisdom? What do you need God to do in your life this morning? And then I want you to ask yourself the question, what do you need to do now to have what you need most? See, you have the desire to change. But possibly this morning, you have not actually given Jesus the real estate in your time, in your schedule, in your lives for God to do that. This could be your greatest year yet. And I promise you today that those who can say that at the end of 2019 have learned habits. What is it that you need to see happen? And what is it that you need to do now to have what you need most? Church, don't make a resolution. This is not resolution time. I, this is time, this is commitment time. Make a better habit that builds discipline. Church, I've learned in my life that when I am walking in discipline, a lot of things in my life seem to go better. I'm going to, make a, I'm going to be honest today. I, I did this at the end, early service. I'm going to do this now because I think it's, this is a good spot for this. I'll, I'll be honest with you. This 21 days of prayer and fasting is, in part, um, it's, it's selfish. Okay, let's just be no. I've been a pretty disciplined man most much of my life. But over the last few months, things have slipped a little bit. And, and no, don't, you know, don't let your mind go too far with that. It's just, you know, I, I was having a hard time getting up in the morning early. I was busy. I was just so many, so many reasons. And I have my excuse and my reasons. It was just all kinds of things. And, and I was, it, was, it's just, it was just tough. And, and again, carnal gunk has just gotten there and, and it was in my diet it was in my exercise it was in my time and how I use my time and, and, and again part of it and this is a joke but it's not a joke because part of it is what I did at night I would used to read and I used to just spend time with my family lately I've been 
watching a show, a run of chips here and there. I've talked about this before, but it's just very real. Um, one episode went to two, and you're like, chips, are you kidding? That's, that show is gr- no, no big deal. Well, it was taking me away from what matters most. So I had one show turn into two, and two to three, and three to whatever, and before I knew it, my whole evening was spent by, with nothing. And I would get up in the morning, and I'd be tired because I went to bed too late at night. Um, I tended to eat ice cream while I was watching chips. Uh, you know, chocolate chips, no, I was kidding. I was watching, I was eating ice cream. Well, I know what happens when I eat ice cream late at night. It's, there's sugar and there's, all, there's, there's dairy. Um, my stomach does not sit well. Uh, the sugar gets all weird. And I don't sleep when I eat sweets at night. I know this, okay? I, I know this. No one tells me. I, I know this already. So here I am doing all these things. I'm getting up in the morning. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I'm cranky. I'm all this kind of stuff. See, I had some terrible keystone habits, and I remember saying, God, I just, where, where are you? Where's your voice? And I didn't, quit giving, I didn't quit my time with him. I really didn't. But my time was lifeless. And again, so often, it was because my keystone habits had changed. And I've noticed that in my life, since we started doing this, I've given up some of those things. I've gone back to a whole different life. You see, again, keystone habits matter, Church. You might have the enemy in your ear saying, you, you can't do this, you can't do that. But you have to make a decision. What is important to you? I had to make that decision, and I hope that you do too. See, this morning, church, you need to learn how to run to win. You need to understand that what you are running for is not work, play, eat, sleep, replete. You are running to bring glory to him. That's the aim. That's the purpose. That's the goal. That's the heart. It will come out in how you treat others. Think about this this morning. How you treat others is how you're treating others, bringing God glory. Is how you treat your spouse or your kids. Is it bringing God glory? It's not here to condemn you today. It's here to make you think. It will come out like that. How you treat your body is it any wonder we struggle sometimes with energy and to do what's right when we fuel our bodies with garbage. Like that's not very spiritual. Baloney it's not. Because how we fuel our bodies has so much of an effort in how we feel and what we do and how we operate and how we act. Church, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and you need to make decisions and you need to make some spots in your life where God can work and move and you need to take out all the garbage and the stuff and allow him to do that. You see, it comes out in how you treat your minds. Is how you treat your mind bringing God glory or is it bringing the enemy glory? You got to hear, some of you guys especially, you got to hear this today. How you treat your mind, man, you got to hear this this morning. You might be have a very secret sin that you think no one knows about, but yes, you do and God does. And it is ruining your life. And you know it is this morning. And you don't, no one has to tell you that. You know those things are happening. There are some keystone habits in your life that lead you to doing what you're doing. And I want to encourage you to stop those. If you stop those things, the other things will start stopping as well. I just promise you in that. As one guy to another this morning, how you treat your mind, the fight's hard enough. Don't give yourself a handicap. You need to run to win. Would you stand across this room today? You need to, number two, give Jesus some real estate in your life. Literally, give him some real estate, not talk. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Carve out time that's his. And if you fail, keep coming back to establishing that keystone. 
Give him some time. Carve out some time. Say, Lord, Jesus, in my schedule, in my time, in my life, oh man, some of you today need to raise your hand and say, God, this is me. This is mine. I got to give you some time. I got to give you some, some, some real estate in my life. Not talk, but this is yours. Give it to Jesus this morning. And lastly, set some keystone habits that will train your body and take you to where you want to go with him. Heads bowed, eyes closed this morning. Jesus, we give you this time. If you're here today, would you raise your hands across this room as a sign of surrender? Lord Jesus, if this is you, if you like that, I, I relate to this. Would you raise your hands and say, God, this is me, I need help. If you're here today, you would say, Pastor Steve, I don't, I'm not a believer. I don't even know Jesus, let alone all this stuff. If that's you today, I want to especially encourage you. I'm going to pray a prayer right now, and I want you to pray with me this morning. And I want to encourage you to ask Jesus to come into your life. I will warn you, and I will be honest with you, this is not the end. This is the start. This is the starting moment to you changing your life. If you want God to change you, then you start here by admitting you need him and asking him to come into your life, but then being committed to allowing him to change you from here on out. If that's you, sit, pray with me. Let's all pray today. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my future. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for what I've done. Forgive me, clean me, change me, turn me around. From this day forward, I'm yours. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Give God some glory for those who gave their hearts to Jesus today. We are with you on the fight. Hands raised, hearts surrendered to him this morning. We're going to worship God for a few moments today, and I want to to encourage you to allow God to speak into your life today those questions. What do you need?